Good morning. <laughs> As most of you know, I am a car girl. I've always been a car girl. I've always loved them. I love to drive fast. I love all the things about the sound they make when you turn them on. I just love them. I drive a 2019 uh, Dodge Challenger wide body scat pack. Stock this car has a 392 V8 Hemi engine. It puts out 485 horsepower and 475 foot-pounds of torque. I love my car. I don't know, I don't know the top speed because everybody gets their cars up to something different. I know what I've got her up to. But my daughter is in here, so we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Most women, I feel like for their day away or time to themselves, they go to the spa, they get a facial, they get their hair done, they get their nails done. I like to get in my car, blast my music, and drive north. I like to drive the windy roads and just feel that power underneath me and what she's made out of. And I just listed some pretty awesome facts about my car, right? But my car can't perform the way that it was intended, the way that the creators of my car made, made it to be, unless I perform the proper maintenance along the way. Growing up, I was behind the wheel long before I was supposed to, long before it was legal. Um, most of the time, without my parents' knowledge, my brother went through a kidney transplant. He spent a lot of time in the hospital. And so like any responsible child and good sister would do left alone, I would just take his car all the time. And um, I could drive a stick shift by the time I was in the sixth grade and was well on my way to my CDL as I spent every break, every summer I could driving a Peterbilt with my dad. And... We now have three out of our four kids behind the wheel. I have taught every one of them how to drive, and Luke has already said I will 100% be the one teaching him as well. Um, when Gary and I started dating, um, I started riding with him everywhere. He's a gentleman. He opens the doors, he drives, and I ride. And like any... Uh, like any good passenger, I was sitting quietly in the passenger seat because I'm a cope and that's what we do. We sit quietly <laughs> in the passenger seat of the car. <laughs> and um, I noticed there was this little black piece of tape on his dash. And it was where, like, you know, the lights would illuminate, letting you know something is wrong with your vehicle. And so I said... Um, hey, why is that black piece of tape on your dash? And he was like, I don't know, it's covering up this little orange light. It bothers me at night when I'm driving. So I'm like, okay, well, can you take it off? Because what light is, sh is shining? Like, what light is it telling you? It was the check engine light, y'all. Like, the check engine light. The check your engine light. So I start looking at all the gauges on the dash, and sure enough, his oil gauge was bottomed out. I grabbed paper towel, and I checked the dipstick, and sure enough, we were completely empty. 
So it got me thinking, right? Like, isn't that how we handle the gauges in our own life, though? We drive and we drive and we drive doing zero maintenance along the way, right? We feel the shaking of the tires, that lagging when you turn the key, that funny squeaky noise, that smell, and we all just throw that Band-Aid over all of our issues until that issue or issues become a full-blown emergency. So Gary and I thought that this would just be a great time, a good reminder Um, as we close out 2023, we wake up to a brand new year, a new chapter, a blank page, to remind you all to check the gauges in your own life. But also remembering that that flip of the calendar takes your work. We don't just wake up and everything's going to be new and awesome and amazing. So we have to do the work and make sure that we're keeping an eye on the things in our life that are important. So the Bible says in Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So God gave us the owner's manual for our lives, right? Not merely to survive this beautiful gift of life, but to thrive. My car came with the owner's manual, but it is my responsibility to make sure that I read it and do the things necessary to take care of it. Just as God gave us the Bible as our own owner's manual, we have to open it. We have to read it. We have to do what is necessary to be able to travel this road called life. There are a few key areas in our life that always need to be maintained in order to live your life the way your creator intended. So I feel like the first one and the most important one is your faith. Psalms 1, 2 through 3 says, But those who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. So for me personally, I had to check this gauge uh, in my life lately. I got away Wednesday and did a reset of my schedule. And my time management, because I definitely feel like it's really easy for my God time to take a back seat, especially when things are good. I justify it because I have this ongoing conversation with God, right? Like Gary says all the time, he never says amen because he's always talking to God. I feel the same way. I'm always worship music playing. I listen to sermons. I talk to God as if he's in the house with me all day long. If you were to come in, you'd probably think I was crazy. Um, But I haven't spent time in his word. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't meditated on what the owner's manual from my life says. So if I'm driving and I look down and I see that my temperature gauge is rising, I know the steps that I need to take to remedy the issue until I can get it to a mechanic. But if I'm not reading my Bible, 
then the situations in my life, when my temper rises or my insecurities flare up or my issues, like we all have, start to rear their ugly head, I am unable to deal with them in the way that God has instructed me to do so. And then you start looking to the world for solutions. So we need to set aside to be a time to be in the word, right? To, to truly read it, to pray, to meditate. That word always used to freak me out. Um, even in Bible study, like to study or do homework, like nobody likes that. And so meditate or study or whatever word you want to use, you take the time and you read it and you let it soak in. It doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be any of those things. It just needs to be sometimes set aside where you sit still and you block out the noise, put your phone on do not disturb, and you just read. Your life is the vehicle, and God is your powertrain. And if you don't maintain your powertrain, your life will go nowhere very fast. So talked about faith. Um, The second gauge that I feel like is very important that you have to maintain, and the holidays will teach you that quicker than ever, is your family. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. So this verse applies whether you have children or you do not. The key to a successful marriage um, or relationship is for God to be the solid foundation on which it's built, to keep him relevant and at the center of your relationship. Pray for and with one another. Marriage is hard. If my car runs out of gas, I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, and put a for sale sign on it and be done with my car. That's stupid. Um, I'm going to go to the gas station. I'm going to fill it up. If Gary and I stumble upon hard times, which we have, we don't quit. We check our gauges. We fix what needs fixing. You fill what is empty. And if your family includes your children, then make sure that you're displaying these tools for them. Make sure that they are seeing what a successful marriage is. That doesn't mean that they never see fights, they never see arguments, they never see hard times. It means that you teach them the healthy ways to get through those things, to go to God. Keeping God relevant to them on their level, right? Teaching them to talk to Jesus and to read their manual too. The Bible says in Proverbs that we are to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he was old from it, he will not depart. Emily bought me uh, my journal that you guys see me take notes in every Sunday. She normally is always the one who buys me those journals. But this one is super special to me because... She gave it to me while we were going through one of the hardest times in our lives. And 
she has seen me along the way um, when I was an unhealthier version of myself deal with my anger and my frustration in ways that I would never want her to repeat or demonstrate. Um, But she gave me this particular journal, and I love this one because in the front of it, before she gave it to me, it says, I love you, Mama, and I love your love for God. And I don't get it right all the time, but I know when I read that, that I am breaking generational curses in our home. And family means something different to, to everyone, I've noticed. Um, as I get older and I've experienced life, I've realized that my family is Gary, myself, Ashlyn, Avery, Emily, and Luke. My grandma always would tell me that it was everybody. It was all-encompassing. It was mom, dad, aunts, uncles, great-aunt, everybody, everybody. In a perfect world, that would be true. I have tried since she has passed to hold that together, and it's, it's not possible. <laughs> and um, Because families are made of people, right? So in a perfect world, that would be true, and everyone would get along, and no one can't make it to the get-togethers. And when they do come, no one makes the other one angry. No one says anything to the other one that will make them quit speaking to you. No one has an opinion about your life, how you raise your kids, your marriage, your religious or your political views. Um, But that isn't reality. Families immediate and extended are made of people. People are broken, and that leads to broken families. So how do I keep that gauge in check? It's hard. Um, But I have learned over the years that I have to have boundaries. And boundaries are not meant to push people away. Boundaries are meant to protect your peace. Right? Sometimes you have to remove those who do not respect your boundaries because if they don't respect your boundaries, that means they, in fact, do not respect you either. So that brings me to we've done faith and family. The next gauge that I find ter- uh, very important is going to be your friendships. The Bible has so much to say about friendships. Um, here's a few. So John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Galatians 6, 2 says, you carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I'm trying to teach this to our children every day. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So let me start by saying that every single gauge in your life always goes back to faith. If that one is on E, then you will, you will always be unable to pour into anything or anybody else, period. 
I finally have a handle on how to maintain this particular gauge. It's taken me a long time. It took me until I was 34 and working on my own healing. Before I put the work into healing myself, I attracted broken and unhealed people. It was like having a small oil leak, right? So I would see the smoke, I would smell the fumes, but I would always put that little black piece of tape over that light as it was warning me about what lies ahead. Cover it up and pretend like I didn't see it, hear it, none of the things. But as I began to heal, God removed the gunk and he replaced it with clean, smooth running parts. I am now surrounded by people who pray for me. They fight for me when I'm not around. They love me. They support me. They want to see my marriage succeed. They want to see my kids happy and healthy. I mean, I've had more of my girlfriends go and allow my daughter, who's learning how to cut hair, cut their hair as guinea pigs. Like, I, I don't, those aren't true friends. I don't know what are. And more importantly, trustworthy friends. But to keep this gauge regulated, it's a good idea to have a person that is ahead of you in the areas and the goals you have set. It's a good idea to have someone who is on your level and someone who is coming up behind you, right, so that you can return what you have learned as well, so that you can pour in. So it's good to have somebody who is pouring into you, somebody who is on your level that can work and walk with you at the same time, and then also have someone that you can pour into. I think Gary calls that learn and return. And then the fourth gauge that is vital to living the life God intended is your finances. I know nobody wants to talk about finances. But in 1 Timothy 6, 17, the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my grandfather would say, show me your checkbook and I will show you what you really care about. Um, my grandparents raised me at a very, what I find vital time in my life. So I was... I moved in with them when I was 16 years old. Um, and they, my grandfather as a gift to us at the time, I thought it was awful. Uh, but he put us through the Dave Ramsey class. And it was the greatest thing he could have ever done for me. Um, I'm a nerd. I still write checks. I still have a checkbook. I have a whole binder. It's a thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but I was awful with money before I was married to Gary. And my grandma looked at me and she said, um, at the time in my previous marriage, she said, one of you is going to have to get good with money. One of you is. And so my grandfather decided for me that that was going to be me. And, um, but it was scarce. So at that time in my life, we... We didn't have any money. I was raising three kids and we had nothing. And so everything I had, I would hold it so, so tightly. And then um, when I married Gary, he started teaching me about tithing and giving 
and trusting God with our finances. The famous story of his shoebox and his checkbook and my very large bottle of wine is 100% true. Like, it's 100% true. It took me hours. And, but what he leaves out about that story when he tells it is that when he handed me um, everything, he looked at me and he said, I don't care how much money we have, the tithe gets paid first. Before rent, before lights, before water, before food. I was terrified. But I've never wavered from that, and God has never left us without. To the contrary, he has blessed us year after year after year. For those of you who aren't familiar with the word tithe, just a quick, quick definition. It means the first 10% of your earnings. And I have never met a broke giver, ever. Malachi 3.10 says, You bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have enough room for it. So whenever Gary and I want to do a checkup on our finances or like we set a new goal for ourselves. So like this year is the first year starting from January 1st that I will be running a business by myself. It's terrifying. When we started Revival South Apparel, Gary was with me. And if I'm being honest, I was pretty, I'm pretty dependent on him in that because I look up to him in that area. He has been an entrepreneur since he was 16 years old. Um, I always say that if you hire me, every job I've ever had, I got promoted immediately. I was always climbing up and always moving up. Um, I always say I'll be the best employee you ever have. But running a business from the business backside all the way through production is terrifying to me. But this year, last week, Wednesday, when I got away for the day, that was what I was doing. I was checking the gauges in, my, in our financial life, and our business life, and setting some goals. And so when we, whenever we like to sit down and set goals for ourselves, the first line we start with is a budget. I know everybody hates that word. Ugh. Like, no one wants to live by a budget. That doesn't sound fun but it's what you have to do. And line one in our budget is always our tithe. But like anything, a budget takes discipline and sacrifice. If you're married, it takes communication between you and your spouse. And nothing, when I tell you nothing, will drain your battery and your relationship like working day after day after day only to struggle, to live paycheck to paycheck, and to barely get by. Nothing will drain you as individuals and as a couple quicker than that. So you always start with a budget. Line one is the tithe, and then you watch it all unfold after that. 
Here's my favorite one, the fifth and final gauge that nobody ever wants to talk about and that nobody ever wants to maintain is your fitness. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, you honor God with your bodies. I would venture to say that this gauge, even over, maybe not over finances, but it's the one that everybody openly jokes about keeping the black tape over it. People will drive a $100,000 vehicle with all the amenities while turning your bodies into beaters. Makes no sense to me. This truth is going to hurt, though, because even the truth spoken in love when you don't want to hear it is offensive. But the way to keep this gauge in check first starts with your mind, second with your mouth, and lastly with your body. Health is not about what you look like. Health is about what you can actually do when God calls you to do it. If God was to do what you were praying for him to do in y'all's lives, you'd give out before you could fulfill the purpose. You want this schedule and God bless me with this work and that work and this event and that event and do this and do that. And most of the times we can't get up a flight of stairs without something hurting. Fitness is not a punishment for what you see in the mirror, but it should be a celebration of the body that God has blessed us with. It took me a long time to learn that. Um, I always say I go to the gym because it's cheaper than bail, which is actually true, but I, it is my time. And... It is a time where you can, like it is, it's a celebration of what God has, has given me. Gluttony isn't a weight issue, it's a worship issue. So a lot of times um, I heard something the other day and it said, um, this guy was talking about, about gluttony and, and how, what a big sin it is. It was, it was a really cool uh, it was a really cool message to listen to. But he was talking about how our ways and the things that we do are shaped, right? And so like we, somebody dies, what do we do? We eat. Somebody is born, what do we do? We eat. You uh, get a promotion at work, what do we do? We go out to eat. We leave church on Sunday, what do we do? Go out to eat. Even Luke's football team, this blew my mind, right? Because we're trying to teach these kids to <laughs> use their body and to work out and to be strong and blah, 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 all the things. If they win a game, that's a shutout. If they win whatever, whatever to zero, I don't know, all the sports, whatever. If the other team has zero, when they are done, they are rewarded with donuts because... They're zeros. They look like zeros. 
They are rewarded with Chick-fil-A sandwiches. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it's what, our, it's what we do. It's what our culture does. We build our lives around food. But 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the primary reason for food is to fuel your body. Gary likes to joke that he lives to eat, and I eat to live. So we have this nutritionist, and they've been really awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure we're their most hated clients ever. Um, We don't check in or do the things we're supposed to. I mean, we do the stuff they tell us, but they, um, they ask us all the time, they give us this food plan, right? And so they ask Gary, like, what do you think about the food plan? And he has all these things. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care as long as you tell me what to do, I'll do it. I don't care. Um, Gary is not that way. And so it's just a running joke in our house. I've been trying to think of different ways that we can be healthy and still enjoy food because that is important to people. But your, the primary reason for food is to fuel your body. So if your body is the vehicle that God has given you, then what you eat is the fuel that your body uses to perform. All right, so my car takes premium gas. Irritating, drives me nuts. Everyone's like, oh, the gas prices are cheaper. Not mine, So, but it is what it is. I knew that when I bought it. But over time, if I put regular unleaded gas in my car... I am going to, in fact, blow up my engine. I was going to tell a story today, but I knew she'd be really mad at me, so I didn't. So Misty had this car. (laughs) And she had this little black, I think it was a Kia? It was a Kia. And it had a little turbo in it. We weren't super close then, or I would have tried to help her. Um, But we had... She called me and she was like, my engine blew up. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, we parked it at the church. I don't know what to do. It blew up. And I said, well, you know, we walked through all the things, right? And so she lets me know that it has a little turbo in it. And so all this time she was supposed to be putting premium gas. And um, she, in fact, did not. And so she no longer has that Kia because she blew up her engine. And so, um, I don't know, that story always makes, it was not funny at the time. It's funny now though. Even Luke's mom called me recently because she bought a new car and she's like, hey, what happens if I accidentally put unleaded gas in my car? So I had to tell her, you know, one time is probably not the end of the world, but don't ever do it again. And so we walked through all the things, but isn't our body and food the exact same way? Right, so... This friend of mine, he collects old cars. Um, His dad worked for the Chrysler Corporation out of Detroit until he passed. When his dad passed, he also passed down his love for cars and his collection. And my friend has kept his love for cars alive. He has, uh, he lives out north a little bit in Michigan. And so he has this land and this barn 
and it is slap full of vehicles um, with, worth hundreds and thousands of dollars. Sad part is, though, not one of those cars will crank. Not one. Covered in dust, tires are going flat. Because over time, sitting sedentary like that, everything quit working. So think about it the same way. If you continue to fuel your body with garbage, and then you do nothing active, that body that God bought at a price that does not even compare to that lot of vehicles, even if they were all in pristine condition, up and running, you will eventually stop running. So for me, a quick way to check that gauge. First, take that piece of tape off your dash. Wipe away the dust. And then look at it like a traffic light. So red, you're going to say no to the things that are not the right fuel for your body. Not all the time, I get it. Nobody wants to never eat anything you want or never drink anything you want or any of the things. So hear what I'm saying. And don't completely tune me out. Um, but just say no to the things that are not the right fuel for your body. My uh, grandfather's brother was a diabetic and he would, he had an insulin pump. Because he had that insulin pump, he would eat, I would literally watch him eat an entire container of cookies and just pump that button. It was insane. It's insane to me. My grandmother, on the other hand, found out she was diabetic and took that and decided she was not going to be on medicine. She was not going to be on an insulin pump. She wasn't going to do any of the things. She was going to use the knowledge that she had and the body that God gave her, and she was going to regulate herself on her own. She was the most willpowered, determined woman I've ever met in my entire life. But she did it. And, um, and she also did that. I have red as being say no to the things that are not right, and yellow to take in smaller portions. You don't have to go to that restaurant because they have the biggest portions in the world. You don't have to eat all of this stuff all the time. I think it's, me and Misty were talking about it um, last week, and we were talking about how in her house, you couldn't get up from the table unless you cleared your plate, right? That's how a lot of us were, were raised. Um, in my house, Growing up, it was, you do not waste anything ever. So it all went into Tupperwares or to-go containers. Like we joke with Emily when she comes home from a restaurant now that we call her Grandma Gail because we'll have to-go container. Like she won't throw it away. And we're, not that you should be wasteful, but also like, it's okay. If, if you don't eat everything that's in front of you, you will eat again. And traditions pass down from generations aren't always worth keeping. And then the last color, obviously, is green. Go. It's my favorite one. Get up and move. Walk, hike, go to the gym, go meet with a nutritionist. 
Everyone's like, I can't afford that. I can't afford, I even have to go see a therapist. I'm not talking about therapy has everything to do with your fitness. Therapy has helped me in every area of my life. It has helped my marriage. It has helped me as a mother. It has helped me as a friend. It has helped me in my insecurities to stop treating fitness as a punishment and start looking at it as a celebration. Reverend says, can't afford it. I can't afford it. Put it in your budget because you can afford what you want to afford. Go get a personal trainer. Go see your physician. I know, I know. Everybody has a bad knee, a bad back. All of these things, I get it. Get it fixed. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I know that every one of us has the desire to spend time with God and take those steps in our faith. I know we desire to have a God-fearing marriage and spiritually healthy spouses and children. I know we all have the desire for healthy, God-serving friendships. I know that I know we all have the desire to be financially responsible and free. I know that we all have the desire to eat better and exercise on a regular basis. We all have convinced ourselves that we don't have the power. We have the desire, but we think we don't have the power for any of those things. We think we don't have the power to say no. We think we don't have the power to say yes. We think we don't have the power to make the time to spend the money on the things that you truly want to spend money on. We all feel like we have the desire, but not the power. And you're not wrong. We do not have the power. So what I didn't tell you about my grandmother being strong-willed and the most determined person I know is that she was a God-fearing woman. So we don't have the power, but he does. And he is working in you. So make this a part of your daily prayer life. Ask God to give you these things. Ask God to give you the power to do the things that are in your control. We are in control of our time that we spend wherever, where we spend our time. We're in control of our boundaries with our family. We're in control of our friendships. We're in control of our finances. We're in control of our fitness. It's up to us to make those choices. But you can ask God to help give you that power and give you that strength to take those steps to do those things. People want to see God do miracles, right? Everyone wants to see him do these crazy miracles through raising of the dead and laying of hands. But we as people just want to skip the basic principles he lays out for our life. We want, he, he laid out these principles so that we can have life and have it to the full. We want to jump right into his promises without the principles, I mean, that's how our society is now, right? I watch these kids grow up and they want 
what mommy and daddy have without putting in the time and the work that it took mommy and daddy to get where they are. Um, we are in a microwave society. We want everything when we want it right now. But those all take time. My life runs better in every area when I keep an eye on my gauges, when I'm full of the right fuel, when I'm reading and applying the principles from the owner's manual that God has left us. So as we get into the end of 2023, it's the last day, and we start 2024, I hope that you guys heard what I said. It's not too much information. It's not, it's not too hard. I hope that you guys take a look at the gauges in your own life and make 2024 awesome. Because you have to remember, it's not, like I said at the beginning, it's not the flipping of a calendar. December 31st at 1159 doesn't mean that 2024 is going to be amazing. Doesn't mean that everything's going to go great. You have to make the choices and decide to do for your life what you want to do and use the Bible to help you get there. Right? Thanks, guys, for uh, an awesome year. Gary and I love you all so much. And uh, I'm going to let him get to this family chat. We're going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll let him come out and talk to you guys.